Hello. Thank you for listening to Art History at Bedtime. My name is Bendor Grovner. This story is the life of the Venetian painter Giorgione, who was born in about 1477 and died in 1510. It was published in 1568 by Giorgio Vasari as part of his Lives of the Eminent Painters, Sculptors and Architects. This translation is by Elizabeth Foster and was published in 1888. At the same time as Florence was acquiring so much renown from the works of Leonardo, the city of Venice obtained no small glory from the talents and excellence of one of her citizens, by whom the Bellini brothers, then held in so much esteem, were very far surpassed, as were all others who had practised painting up to that time in that city. This was Giorgio, born in the year 1478 at Castelfranco in the territory of Treviso. Giorgio was, at a later period, called Giorgione, as well as from the character of his person as from the exaltation of his mind. He was of extremely humble origin, but was nevertheless very pleasing in manner, and most estimable in character through the whole course of his life. Brought up in Venice, he took no small delight in love passages and in the sound of the lute, to which he was so cordially devoted and which he practised so constantly that he played and sang with the most exquisite perfection, insomuch that he was, for this cause, frequently invited to musical assemblies and festivals by the most distinguished personages. Giorgione selected the art of design, which he greatly loved, as his profession and was therein so highly favoured by nature that he gave his whole heart to her beauties. Nor would he ever represent any object in his works which he had not copied from the life, so entirely was he subjugated by her charms. And with such fervour did he imitate them, that he not only acquired the reputation of having excelled Gentile and Giovanni Bellini, but of being able to compete with those who were then working in Tuscany, and who were the authors of the modern manner. Giorgione had seen certain works from the hand of Leonardo, which were painted with extraordinary softness, and thrown into powerful relief, as is said, by extreme darkness of the shadows, a manner which pleased him so much that he ever after continued to imitate it, and in oil painting approached very closely to the excellence of his model. A zealous admirer of the good in art, Giorgione always selected for representation the most beautiful objects that he could find, and these he treated in the most varied manner. He was endowed by nature with highly felicitous qualities, and gave to all that he painted, whether in oil or fresco, a degree of life, softness and harmony, being more particularly successful in the shadows, which caused all the more eminent artists to confess that he was born to infuse spirit into the forms of painting. And they admitted that he copied the freshness of the living form more exactly than any other painter, not of Venice only, but of all other places. In his youth, Giorgione painted in Venice many very beautiful pictures of the Virgin, with numerous portraits from nature, which are most lifelike and beautiful. Of this we have proof in three heads of extraordinary beauty painted in oil by his hand, and which are in the possession of the most reverend Grimani, patriarch of Aquileia. 
One of these represents David and, according to common report, is a portrait of Giorgione himself. He has long locks reaching to the shoulders, as was the custom of that time, and the colouring is so fresh and animating that the face appears to be rather real than painted. The breast is covered with armour, as is the arm with which he holds the head of Goliath. In Florence, in the house of the sons of Giovanni Borgherini, there is a picture by the hand of Giorgione, the portrait namely of the above-named Giovanni, taken when he was still a youth and living in Venice. In the same picture is also the portrait of his preceptor. Giorgione painted many other most admirable portraits, which are dispersed through various parts of Italy. Among them is that of Leonardo Loredano, painted at the time when he was Doge. This I saw, set forth to view on Ascension Day, when I almost believe myself to behold that most illustrious prince himself. Giorgione found much pleasure in fresco painting, and among other works of this kind undertaken by him was one for the Soranzo Palace, which is situated on the Piazza di San Paolo. Here he painted the entire façade, on which, to say nothing of the representation of various historical events, or of many fanciful stories, there is an oil painting executed on the plaster, which has endured the action of rain, sun and wind to the present day, and yet preserves its freshness wholly unimpaired. In the same place there is, moreover, a picture of spring, which appears to me to be one of Giorgione's best works in fresco, and it is much to be lamented that his paintings have been so cruelly injured by time. For my part, I am persuaded that there is nothing which so grievously injures fresco paintings as do the south winds, and this they do more particularly when the work is in the neighbourhood of the sea, since they then always bring with them a saline humidity which is exceedingly noxious. In the year 1504, there happened a most terrible conflagration at the exchange or magazines of the German merchants in Venice near the bridge of the Rialto whereby the building was entirely consumed with all the wares contained within it, to the great loss of the merchants. The Signoria of Venice thereupon commanded that it should be rebuilt, with increased convenience for those who used it or dwelt therein, all which was speedily commenced with great magnificence, and in due time was accomplished in a style of infinite beauty and with rich decoration. Giorgione, whose fame had constantly extended, was consulted on this occasion and received a commission from those who had charge of the matter to paint the building in fresco, of various colours, according to his own fancy, provided only that he gave proof of his ability and produced a work of adequate excellence, the edifice being in one of the finest sites and commanding one of the most admirable views in the whole city. Giorgione set hand to the work accordingly, but thought only of executing fanciful figures, calculated for the display of his knowledge in art, and wherein there is of a truth that neither arrangement of events in consecutive order, nor even single representations, depicting the history of known or distinguished persons, whether ancient or modern. I, for my part, have never been able to understand what they mean, nor, with all the inquiries that I have made, could I ever find anyone who did understand, or who could explain them to me. Here there is a man, there a woman in different attitudes, 
One has the head of a lion beside him, near another is an angel, but which rather resembles a cupid, so that one cannot divine what it all means. Over the door, which leads to the storeroom for the wares, a seated figure of a woman is depicted. She has the head of a dead giant at her feet, as is the custom in representations of Judith, and this head she is raising with a sword, while speaking, at the same time to a figure in the German habit, who is standing still further beneath her. What or whom this figure may be intended to represent, I have never been able to determine, unless, indeed, it be meant for a figure of Germany. On the whole, however, it is nevertheless apparent that the work is well composed, and that the artist was continually adding to his acquirements. There are certain heads and other portraits of different figures in this work which are extremely well designed and coloured with a great animation. Giorgione has also laboured throughout to maintain the utmost fidelity to nature, nor is any trace of imitation to be discovered in the manner. This work is highly extolled in Venice and is celebrated not only for the paintings executed by Giorgione, but also for the advantages presented by the edifice to the commerce of the merchants and for its utility to the public. Giorgione laboured in many parts of Italy, as for example at Castelfranco and in the March of Treviso. He executed numerous portraits for different Italian princes, and many of his works were sent beyond the confines of Italy as specimens worthy to bear testimony to the fact that, if Tuscany abounded at all times in masters of eminence, neither were the districts beyond the mountains altogether abandoned or wholly forgotten by heaven. It is related that Giorgione was once in conversation with certain sculptors, who maintained that since sculptor was capable of exhibiting various aspects in one sole figure, from the fact that the spectator can walk around it, so it must, on this account, be acknowledged to surpass painting, which could not do more than display a given figure in one particular aspect. Giorgione, on the contrary, was of the opinion that in one picture the painter could display various aspects without the necessity of walking round his work, and could even display at one glance all the different aspects that could be presented by the figure of a man, even though the latter should assume several attitudes, a thing which could not be accomplished by sculpture without compelling the observer to change his place, so that the work is not presented at one view but at different views. He declared further that he could execute a single figure in painting in such a manner as to show the front, back and profiles of both sides at one and the same time. This assertion astonished his hearers beyond all measure, but the manner in which Giorgione accomplished his purpose was as follows. He painted a nude figure with its back turned to the spectator, and at the foot of the figure was a limpid stream, wherein the reflection of the front was painted with the utmost exactitude. On one side was a highly burnished corslet, of which the figure had divested itself, and wherein the left side was reflected perfectly, every part of the figure being clearly apparent, and on the other side was a mirror, in which the right profile of the nude form was also exhibited. By this beautiful and admirable fancy, Giorgione desired to prove that painting is in effect the superior art, requiring more talent and demanding higher effort. He also shows that it is capable of presenting more at one view than is practicable in sculpture. 
the work was indeed greatly commended and admired as both ingenious and beautiful. While Giorgione was thus labouring to his own honour and that of his country, he was also much in society, and delighted his many friends with his admirable performance in music. At this time he fell in love with a lady who returned his affection with equal warmth, and they were immeasurably devoted to each other. But in the year 1511 it happened that the lady was attacked by the plague, when Giorgione also, not aware of this circumstance, and continuing his accustomed visits, was also infected by the disease, and that with so much violence that in a very short time he passed to another life. This event happened in the thirty-fourth year of his age, not without extreme grief on the part of his many friends, to whom he was endeared by his excellent qualities. It was also greatly to the loss of the world, thus prematurely deprived of his talents. Amidst these regrets there was, however, the consolation of knowing that Giorgione had left behind him two worthy disciples and excellent masters, in Sebastiano, a Venetian, who was afterwards a monk of the Piombo in Rome, and Titian del Cadore, who not only equalled, but even surpassed him greatly. Of both these artists we propose to speak in the proper place, and will then fully describe the honour and advantage which art has derived from them. If you have enjoyed these podcasts, please consider making a donation to Art History Link-Up, the charity which teaches the history of art to state school children in the UK. Art History Link-Up is continuing its classes online during the pandemic, but would benefit from all our help. Donation details can be found on their website, arthistorylinkup.org. Thank you.